Right, that's good. All right, guys, I think we're ready to go. You ready? Yeah. Good day, wherever you may be. Jason from Ireland. Ireland, Ireland, Ireland. He's Ireland. He's from Ireland. And then we have Antonio Singer. Indonesia. Sounds like you. Sounds like you. In Ireland. Okay, there he's drunk in Ireland. It's Toby the Pirate. <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> it's the right. middle of Asia. It's Indonesia. No, it's always like Indonesia. Like, what the heck is he doing there? But this is wild. But Ireland. Go ahead. <laughs> I got messed him up. Now we can't do it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. No, you sound good. It's just Ireland. It's like, Ireland. <laughs> I'm doing it. Like, Brace yeah. yourself. Okay, here we go. And the poppies. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. around the world and thank you for joining us once again on truth to you.org that's truth number two letter you.org it's season two of torah pearls i'm jono and joining me in the virtual truth to you studio all the way from ireland is jason of spiritualbabies.net g'day mate today we've uh, finished the first course and the main course and the dessert and we are on the coffee and in indonesia is the author of let's get biblical why doesn't judaism accept the christian messiah volumes one and two did you take a testosterone injection? <laughs> and in Indonesia is the author of Let's Get Biblical. Why doesn't Judaism accept the Christian Messiah? Volumes 1 and 2. If you've listened thus far and you haven't got a copy yet, something's wrong. You need to get a copy of these books. You can get a copy from his website, outreachjudaism.org. That's outreachjudaism.org. Welcome back to the program, Rabbi Tobias Singer. It's great to be back. It is, isn't it? Yes. So if you haven't gotten the book by this time, get a job. I'm kidding. Let's go. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Oh, my. <laughs> goodness we are in the final the final torah portion blows my mind but here we are right at the end result Habaracha is the last one and it deals with the last two chapters of deuteronomy i'm very excited it's very exciting and very uplifting i i just would ask the listeners a question of what you know here moshe Rabbeinu is is is, is about to pass away there he's going to bless the people before he dies what, given everything that we have learned about the relationship of the people of Israel with Moses, what anxiety would they have aside from just the obvious losing the the person they love and their great mm-hmm. leader and teacher Torah? Because that's the that's really what these two chapters are about. Is is what what trauma are the people uh, consumed with as a result of the fact that they're going to in this case lose Moses they already thought they did once and it led to a disaster oh that's true I almost gave it away I just it's very important when looking at the Zeus HaBracha these are the blessings that this man Ishoel Kim a man of God meaning you know Moses is Moses is what anxiety does this uh, portion that these two chapters are seeking to uh a leave what what reassurances and that will help you understand what this is all about right motion needs to convey something to the people 
because he now really is dying. This is not like when he brought down ten cameras and didn't show up after forty days. And it's and surely, Toby, it's purposely reminiscent of uh, the final uh, uh, portion of uh, Better Sheep, uh, Genesis, oh, yes. where, where Jacob is blessing uh, his children. It is as if Moses is blessing his children, and yet we know he has two of his own children. We don't hear about them again. But here we are with the blessing. Shall I begin? Yes. Now this is the blessing which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. And he came. Now, Jason, what do you have here? What do, what do you have in this uh, verse 2? Um, I have that. Um, it's interesting because then um, 33, 2 and 3 have... Mm-hmm. There are a lot of different um, perspectives on what these mean and um, and and the wording, um, because sometimes it looks like it's reflecting towards different people. Sometimes it looks like it's reflective of different um, geology. Um, even the word the words here that we have in the first line there, um, uh, man of God. That's the first time that Moses is called that in the whole. I mean, you have to wait till he's nearly dead. Um, before that title's given to him, it it, it pops up um, through the rest. I think it's mentioned in Samuel, First Kings, Second Kings, and the Hemia Chronicles, some other places. Yeah. Um, but um, it's the first time that he's called this. But yeah, so in verse two, uh, God came from Sinai, shone forth to them from Seir, and made an appearance from Mount Paran, from the holy mirads. Now, so from the holy mirads um, is probably what most people are going to have. But there are arguments from other sources that say with holy mirads or towards the holy mirads, which um, so traditionally we read this and we think that that is uh, reflective of angels and, and um, spiritual beings, but you can read it that it's towards holy mirads, meaning Israel is a nation. So it's, it's worth having a look. If you it's, have a, a good com- commentary, it's worth having a look at that commentary and seeing what the arguments are because um before settling in what it tells you it says, go and have a look and see what it could say. This is okay, because in Toby, in my translation, the New King James here it says, and he came with ten thousands of saints mm. uh, from his right hand came a fiery law for, uh, for them. How do you read it? Yeah, I, I read it that way. This is these this passage has a parallel passage where it's recounted in the book of Psalms in Psalm sixty eight where we're literally told that thousands of angels or of members of God's host came from Sony. That means God came with his entourage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's impossible to read that, I think, without going, wow. So when God came to create man, he called to the angels. He said, let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. So the angels show up, and then God creates man in his image. And we have the exact parallel here that now we have we have uh, a royal family has been forged, not because someone's predestined, but this family is unique, and uh, and now the people have received the Torah Mount Sinai, and now they're about to enter the land, and they're going to go through the transformation of a completely miraculous existence to a a normal existence where they have to actually fight battles in the land of Israel mm. and live not off of water. And again, the angels, God is coming. God, 
So here when God gives the Torah of Mount Sinai and greets the Jewish people from Mount Sinai, where they encounter him, he comes again with the myriads of angels, and that's really what Psalm 68 is about. Mm. So it's it, it, the book of Psalms it really acts to help us put this all together, and we see this further that Moshe is called the Ishel Elohim uh, just two chapters later in Psalm 90, which is all, very much about that. So we have that God is, see, when God goes to war for the Jewish people, mm-hmm. so he goes, he doesn't need angels. Hashem is Shmachama, God is a, a, a God of war. He goes to war for us and so on. But when it comes to the great glory of creating man or finally giving to that unique nation, the Torah, then the angels show up with Hashem for this great ecstatic moment. Mm. It is not mentioned in Exodus, but we've seen this before where Deuteronomy is frequently supplying information that we did not have previously, and this is just another example of that. In verse 3, yes, he loves the people. All his saints are in your hand. They sit down at your feet. Everyone receives your word. Moses commands a law for us, a heritage of the congregation of Jacob. Tobia. Yeah, I apologize. Just just one point, I'd be remiss. If you notice, it says that he came with the holy myriads, we'll just call it that. Mm-hmm. And he came with these holy myriads. But it's the exact parallel of Genesis one twenty six. It's let us make man, but then it says that God created man in his image. And then look at the next words, That means it was from God's hand that the Torah came forth, the fire came forth, the fire of Torah, uh, Proverbs 6.13. So therefore, it's the exact, beautiful harmony of bouncing off Genesis one twenty six. God comes with the angels for this for this epic moment in human history, but that God gives the Torah, and it's very important to understand that that will now feed into the passage you're reading now. That mm-hmm. Moses transmitted the Torah, but Moses is not; it didn't come from him. It is really it is Meirasha Kihilas Yaakov. It is the heritage of the congregation of Jacob. Mm. It continues in verse 5, and he was king. He was king in Yeshurun. And that's the second time that's used, if, I, if I'm correct. Right. When the leaders of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. Now, here they are. He refers to them uh, in the singular and uh, as if, as we said, as if a, a father giving a blessing to, to his sons. Uh, verse 6, of course, begins with... I just uh, I apologize. You're right. Here we are like... I'm still apologizing. You stop apologizing. It's so Jewish. Jewish. Like, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I didn't mean it. Tali Bennett, stop apologizing. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean it. This idea that the Jewish people have to be unified and they have to, and we're going to see this language that when the Jewish people come into the land, and even when they come into the land the second time to build the second temple, they come in with one heart to be unified. Because if they're unified, then they're Yeshurun. And the name Yeshurun, which you Right, it is uh, we just have here at the end of Deuteronomy for the first time, and will be repeated many times over, uh, means the straight ones. That if you act like straight, then you become one unified uh, nation, or Shifte Israel, the unified tribes in Israel. And now we're going to see the blessings. Just mamish one word, one sentence. Again, I feel guilty. I don't know why. <laughs> I need therapy every time I do a show. 
So one word before you see this, because we're going to encounter um, a, a language that's very ecstatic and is some of it may be hard to wrap your fingers around. There are going to be some points that are vital to understand, but the blessings that we're going to encounter very much are about the land of Israel. This is very important. Because imagine, this takes us back to what I said in the introduction, if the Jewish people are so dependent on Moses, remember from the Ten Commandments, after it was given, the Jews are going, wait, you tell us, Moses is not happy with that. So the Jews are going, how are we going to do this? So Moses is conveying to them, as you said perfectly, as Jacob did to his sons prior to his death. It's the exact same scene. In fact, the word vizos is exactly the word used in Genesis 49. It's an identical word. The parallel is, is unambiguous. But what we're going to have is that you can defeat all your enemies and conquer the land, and this will be permanent. And yeah, yeah, you'll you may have you're going to have trouble if you don't behave yourself. We've all done that already. But ultimately, until the end of days, until all time, you, the nation of Israel, the tribes, will be able to defeat the enemies. You'll have a fantastic land of Israel, and that and that's what. By the way, that's why Reuven is mentioned first. Besides the fact that he's the firstborn, you'll notice that the the uh, this is just an introduction. Else, we're going to get lost. You're going to see that although Reuven is mentioned first, so you'd say, "Well, Reuven is the firstborn," but Reuven's mentioned first because Reuven is a, a, a tribe that had made a number of mistakes, but they've made it into the twelve. They have what it takes. Reuven also has just about the Reuven is the portion of land that is going to be uh, essentially the first two uh, the people are going to have because it's on that side of the Jordan and uh, you, you see here that Ruvain is going to be strong and this is to give the people strength to know that they have God with them directly. But now a curious thing Tobir, it jumps from Reuben to Judah and we don't have Simeon anywhere in this list, what happened? Right. Right. Shimon, Shimon is the this is very important. It's something we mentioned going back to Genesis 49. Shimon is always a problem tribe. If you will be joining us on our tour of Israel, I'm not, or, or, no one is going to be pointing out of the bus going, here, we're in the tribe of Shimon. Mm. Shimon, the tribe of Shimon actually was the only tribe that Shimon never was permitted to, to occupy. The, the, the tribe is actually lost. It's inside of Judah. It's the only thing like that. And this was predicted by, um, by Jacob. If you go to Genesis 49, verse 7, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. it's verse 7, Jacob says to Shimon and Levi, these are the two brothers yep. who took revenge against Shem for raping their sister. Yep. Curse be young, and it says you'll be dispersed throughout Israel. If you've ever watched, I remember watching with interest years ago, uh, these shows on TV where they would look at um, celebrities who we grew up with as children, mm. and they asked, whatever happened to them? Oh, where are they today? Yeah, where yeah. are they today? And then yeah. find out one guy's a drug addict, and then <laughs> one guy is not, you look, what happened to you? How did you mess your life? You're so, doing so good. This is critical. You have two brothers, Shimon and Levi, who are both have this quality of anger and so on, 
And and Yaakov says, you're not going to have your own land. You're going to be dispersed. So remember what I said. The blessings are connected to the land, given that Shimon is dispersed all over the land. If you look at 2 Chronicles 15, you'll see there that actually it says that they're dispersed all over. And it's the same thing. And I think it's in Joshua. I'm sure of it. It's Joshua 19. Same thing. Shimon Mm -hmm. is inside of Judah. That means they were never trusted to have their own. own So they're absorbed. absorbed now the key point is this they these two tribes had two completely opposite destinies shimon is in huge trouble all over the place remember when when the head of the tribe of shimon is the one who slept with the daughter of the midianite mm-hmm. princess disaster shimon's disaster 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 all over and we will see that coming up later with idolatry and so on Levi, interestingly, also doesn't get a plot of land, but he's getting blessed here. And now I want to explain the other part, but just this point. Levi is also spread over the land of Israel, but mm-hmm. what, what, for what purpose, to what end is he spread out? And that is to teach Torah. Yes. He's given special cities. So Levi, is true, is in a sense a, a Bedouin tribe, meaning a, a tribe that doesn't have its own plot of land, and they live in the special cities designated mm. for them, but for what purpose? Not to be a Shimon tribe that did not turn out well, and that's why Shimon is not mentioned here, because these blessings are connected to the land, mm. but rather Levi is the one who's going to be teaching Tyre is going to be the one that's conveying, and that's what we're going to see here in the blessing. Mm-hmm. Now, I, just okay. the last point. Every time in the Bible, whenever Scripture is referring to the tribes, they, there always is going to be as 12 tribes. So, the problem is that, that Joseph has two sons, and each of them are, are considered a, a, their own tribe. So, how do you get to 12 when Joseph's children are two? Mm-hmm. And Joseph is very important here. Joseph has to be included. Why does Joseph have to be included in the count? Because Joseph, in the, in all the way to the end of the days, is going to be the one that's going to destroy Esau. And we see that in the book of Obadiah, Mashiach ben Yosef, and so on and so forth. Menashe, Ephraim can't be eliminated either, for a very obvious reason. Ephraim, first of all, a massive, very important tribe. Ephraim is the tribe of Joshua. Uh, excuse me, Ephraim is the tribe of Joshua. Menashe is the, is the tribe of Gideon, for example, who's right. going to defeat the Midianites. So mm-hmm. they have to be included. They're critical. And therefore, you need the 12, but you also need, it's a very odd layout, but you need Joseph in there. He's critical. Mm-hmm. We'll see the blessings attributed to Joseph ensconced also in Menashe and Ephraim, but Joseph ultimately is going to be the fire to Esau at the end of days. And this right. is a projection of all of Jewish history. This is not today, but tomorrow. And therefore, Shimon is left out because these are connected to the land of Israel. And this goes back to what has been said earlier. That is, Zosabrach Hashem is saying, if you are Yashar, if you are straight with God, then I will be the ale. I will be your source of power. You'll have to go to war with your enemy, but I will always be there with you. Therefore, don't be afraid that Moses is dying now. Mm. All right, but, 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 why does Judah get mentioned before Levi when um, it's Levi's um, place after Reuben? Uh, the, Yehuda, who has the greatest preeminence 
of uh, of leadership in all of the blessings that Jacob gave. So therefore, Judah, of course, is going to be the one who's going to defeat. Look at look at the language that's used there of Judah. It says, then, "Hear your answer, hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him to mean? his." That means what does it mean? Moses is saying, "Hashem, please hear." The voice, or the well, I'm going to in brackets put in the word. The word is voice, call Yehuda. That means, please, God, listen to the prayers of Yehuda. Well, what does that mean? That what are the next words? And bring Yodav, him to his people, let his hands be sufficient for him, and may you help against his enemies. Ah, so there you go. So, therefore, Hashem, when Yehuda, who's going to be the one to whom the covenant is given, who's going to defeat the enemies of God. This is the, the house of David. This is all, this is highly prophetic. So therefore, Yehuda is, is the one who's the leader of defeating the enemies of Israel till the end of the day, till the Messianic age. Hmm. So Yehuda is given the tremendous preeminence here. Levi is put in there because they're vi- absolutely vital for obvious reasons. But Yehuda has to be... He's the one who's going to blow it open. So let me just read uh, the blessing of Levi. It says, Let your, your Tumim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massar, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah, who says of his father and his mother, I have not uh, seen them, nor did he acknowledge his, brother, his brothers or uh, know his own children, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. And that's referring back to the, uh, the, the golden calf event, right? Right. That means that the tribe of Levi, first of all, Urim Vatumim were used, that was the breastplate, mm-hmm. when the high priest was able to, to d- discern um, when to go to war to ask yep. God for this again. You're going to defeat your enemy. They're going now against the seven uh, kingdoms now. They're, they're, going, they're going to destroy the enemy now. So, But Levi did not care about... Uh, well, yeah, it's true. You worship the gold calf, but you're my first cousin, mm. so I don't know if I'm going to deal with you properly. No, they didn't care. Well, you happen to be my, you know, second cousin, match, you know, from my mother's side. No, they didn't care about no. them. They, they would, they never participated. They in executed the justice order. without uh, exactly without, without concern, that, yep. and justice is critical. There that it means is. that they, they were interested in justice without concern for. Well, he's my second cousin. Maybe him, I'll give him right. a break. Well, just one little part there. Um, it says in the text, and of Levi, he said, um, "Your Tumin and Urim." But um, who's who's uh, Moses addressing when he says "your Tumin and Urim"? Is he addressing Levi or is he addressing God? Um, when it says um, "belong to your pious man," I, I see what it, you're saying. That means right. Tumim v'urecha. That means your Tumim and your Urim. So he's saying that the breast, that literally the Urim Vitumim, that God gave to the descendants of Levi, who, and Levi was the one who was given that unique mandate to carry the Urim Vitumim and to be able to read the Urim Vitumim. When the people had questions, they had to go to the descendants of Levi, who would be able to look at the Urim Vitumim and with discernment be able to say, okay, this is what, how we're supposed to guide ourselves. 
And so where, where it says uh, to be with your holy one, that's referring to the high priest, right? That's yes. how I read it. I, I would think so. So uh, yes. it continues in verse 10. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put. Now, it says I've got. Jason, what do you have here? It says they shall put incense before you. Now they shall place incense before you with a big Y and burnt offerings upon your altar. That's got to be speaking to God. Of course. Oh, absolutely. I, mm. I, I think literally, and maybe Toby, you can um, confirm this for me. Does it say in, in literal sense they will put uh, incense in his nostrils or they will put a yes. scent in his nostrils? Yes. Yeah. It says, Yosimu Kitoira Ba'apecha, which means in your nose or in your nostrils. Mm. Was, that was the Kitoira, is the incense which made a, a, an aroma for God. Mm. And the incense is something which is the smell our sages tell us is that is um, is the sense most umbilically connected to memory of the past and Hashem would always recall the promises and the blessings that he made to our forefathers so therefore it says this is a sweet aroma to Hashem but this is the memory of the past and the promises and we're going to see soon that all this is the promises of our forefathers Mm. but by the way this book why am I apologizing (laughs) <laughs> I'm apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm so Jewish. <laughs> Most Gentiles never apologize. Jews are going, I'm sorry. They don't even know what they did yet. What did you do? I'm not, I don't know yet, but in case I did. The, the book of Genesis is actually called Sefi Yashur. That's one of the names. It's called Sefi Yitzira, the book of mm-hmm. creation. But another name for it is called Sefi Yashur, the book of the straight ones, which means obviously referring to our, our patriarchs. Right. Uh, verse 11, bless his substance, Lord, and accept the work of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and, and of those who hate him, uh, that they rise not again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benjamin, Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him who shelters him all day long and he shall dwell between his shoulders. This is big, and you're going to see that. Those of you, I, I, for those of you who are not coming on the tour, don't talk to me anymore. I'm joking. <laughs> those of you coming on the tour, this is something you're going to see. When we're in Yerushalayim, mm. so you're going to see the mountains that surround the Temple Mount. Mm. And it really, remember when I say to you that these are the Shachin, these are the shoulders, because the Temple literally sits on, to, on the shoulders of the hills that surround it. So it's very much the head. Now, unfortunately, now it's kind of headless because the temple's been destroyed, which is very painful for us. But, oh, oh, by the way, one footnote here, the temple is built on the tribe of Benjamin. Mm. In fact, the border of Judah and Benjamin is precisely where the temple is. These two are joined forever, but it's Benjamin is where the temple is built, and the temple is built on the... On on the sh- rest between the shoulders, and I'll show you that. You'll see how you have two shoulders, and then you have the temple mount where the head would rest. Mm. Uh, and of Joseph, here we are. He said, "Blessed of the Lord is his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew, and with the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, and the precious everything so precious here, the produce of of the uh, of the months." Uh, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt 
in the bush. Now, we're, we're back at uh, uh, the narrative of Moses here yeah. uh, with, with the burning bush. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph and the crown of the head of him who was separated from his brothers. That's beautiful, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it's magnificent. It is. Uh, let, let me, because it just continues continue, with one continue, more verse. Ahead. There's so much going on. Go ahead. So yeah. his, his glory is like a firstborn bull and the horns like the horns of a wild ox together with them. He shall push watch, watch the peoples, this. yeah, together with them, he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Tobia. Right, no, no, so here we're seeing that these are, the, 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 and the ox is this power, the aim is the ram, but, which is sort of a, a more beautiful horn. And that is, all of this is to destroy the enemies. This is... It's hard when learning scripture, at least for me, it's been a great challenge in my own life to rip myself out of my world looking back at a book and going back to their world. This is, Moses is saying in all of this that you are going to be able to do this. You're going to conquer the land of Israel, which is going to be beautiful for you and God's glory will be manifest there and I will be with you. And Mm. don't worry, even though Moses is not there with you, you're going to be able to do this. And these are the great blessings. But all this is about the, notice, all these blessings are connected to the land of Israel. Now we smush a couple together here in verse 18. 18 it says, And of Zebulun he said, Rejoice Zebulun in your going out. That's it. And Issachar in your tents. They well, shall call the people to the mountain. Well, they, yeah. I just, this is very important. This is a very interesting relationship of Zebulun. I want one of my what's with me. But Zebulun and Yisachar are unique because that is Zebulun is the tribe. They're brothers on both sides. Uh, Zebulun and Yisachar have the relationship. Zebulun are the ones who are the great merchants mm-hmm. who are able to finance the studies of Yisachar, who are the great geniuses of the Jewish people. I, I believe the tribe of Yisachar produced, must have produced hundreds of members of the Sanhedrin. And we see, in fact, in Chronicles that Yisachar produced such brilliant luminaries, giants, that they would be the tribe to whom the um, to whom this the Sanhedrin would go to to give them the proper calculations so they would be able to discern what month it was when it was time to intercalate. These were the brilliant Torah scholars of Yisachar, and 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 you hmm. find that in I think Second Chronicles. Give me a second. Second Chronicles. I think it's chapter twelve, verse thirteen. Okay. These are the people who have the the, the words of the, of Ezra is very important. They have Dea and Bina. That's very critical. And Dea and Bina, Bina means understanding, but Dea mm-hmm. means to know how to, to apply that understanding. And that's what Yisachar is. Oh, oh, that's, it, that's, it, that's in chapter, I'm, I'm right, it's chapter 12. I think it's verse 33 or 34. It's 33. So it's, it's in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 30, 33. Yisachar, the, these are the brilliant Torah scholars. And the relationship is that Zvulun, uh, the ship of uh, the shipping people who are making a, building a lot of money and then supporting it, and they each have equal. That means the person who's the philanthropist and the person who's sitting in Southern ah, Torah right. both have an equal portion in in the greatness. Very interesting. It says, they shall call the peoples to the mountains there. They shall offer sacrifices of righteousness for 
they shall partake of the abundance of the seas and the treasures hidden in the sand. You do a little bit of that, don't you? Mm. Partaking yeah. the abundance of the seas and the treasures therein. And uh, of Gad, he said, blessed is he who enlarges Gad and uh, he dwells as a lion. This is odd. What does this mean? It says he tears the arm and the crown of uh, of his head. He provides the first part for himself because a lawgiver's portion was reserved there. What What's that about? Well, you have to know where God is. Remember... I, I, that's why I said it before we started, that everything is connected to the land. Where is God's, God's land? It's on the eastern side of the Jordan River. It's huge, but it's also located in hostile territory. It's mm. whole, ha, it is located in Sichon and Og, which they have defeated. And therefore, the blessing to God is that they will have the strength to be able to destroy the enemy, to, to take care of this immense amount of land that's on the eastern side of the Jordan. Mm. We first... By the way, for those who were not with us, God, Reuven, and half the tribe of Menashe, who will uh, to settle on the eastern part of the Jordan River, first go into the land of Israel to fight with their brothers and mm. then return back to settle their land. Yeah. So they're special. This is, these are the ones who dwell like lions. You need to be powerful to be on the other side in uh, in de- in hostile, uh, hostile territory i'll tell you yeah. a quick very quick thing i'm not going to mention you but I'm, i i met yesterday with one of the us uh, ambassadors to the to indonesia we mm-hmm. had coffee yesterday and he was just telling me that you know that if you work for the state department whatever you're paid more money if you're in a place that is regarded as a little bit more dangerous or a little bit more you know nervous and so on he said that, that in fact if you work in indonesia you you're paid a certain amount of money. If you're working in a place like Egypt, then you give a lot, a lot of extra special protection mm-hmm. because you're, you're in a more hostile area. They're in a more hostile area on the eastern side. It continues with Dan. Uh, Dan is a... Oh, hang on. It, there's a little bit more for God. It says he came with the heads of the people. He administered the justice of the Lord and his justice with Israel. And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. And of Naphtali, and that's it. That's it. What is, okay. He, he shall leap from Bashan. Tobia. Yeah. Well, Bashan is a land that is absolutely magnificent. It's fabulous. The, the, the Bashan is often in Tanakh used as a contrast, a foil off of Mount Sinai. Mount mm-hmm. Sinai is a place that's arid, that is nothing grows there. And Mount Sinai, frankly, I, I don't know if the Mount Sinai in Sinai is the real one. Well, it, it, maybe it is, it isn't, who knows. But it's a relatively small, demure little mountain with nothing on it. Bashan is at all this land up there and with the flowing and so on and so on. So Bashan is, represents throughout Scripture that very powerful land mm. that, that is uh, fruitful. I'm really looking forward to getting it. We're, we're going, of course, on the tour. We're going to Dan. Uh, and from Dan, we're, we're uh, being elevated up to the uh, uh, Nimrod's Fortress. From there, we should get an excellent view. And from there, we're driving down through the Golan Heights. And it's going to be beautiful. There's just going to be so much to see. And it's a, a beautiful part of the country. Jason? I just wanted to say that the translations I've seen for that verse, I know you have um, leaping from Bashan. Yeah, I've got leaping, yeah. Um, but the, my mind seemed to... Uh, it's it's more about flowing from Bashan or or um it you know, it it's being the the source of a of a river of these Danites ah, okay. that it's that they're going to kind of stream from them in the way that people stream when they are um when they are pop- over populous 
Right. So I thought that was worth mentioning rather than because um, I, I, the first time I read that. Now, when I read that in the King James, it did. It gave the impression that it was they were there ready to pounce um, rather than populating the land. Interesting. Naphtali. Of Naphtali, he said, uh, Oh, Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the West and the South. Tobia. Yeah. Uh, this is the territory uh, just in the, right near the Sea of Galilee. We will be there. And as I said, I, you don't have to necessarily bring your bathing suit. I don't know, if, whatever, but you definitely bring your Bible with you because we're going to go through this. We'll, we'll see it. Looking forward to being there. And uh, we're staying in Tiberias, I believe. And then of uh, Ashur, he said, Ashur is a most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him dip his foot in oil. Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. As your days, so shall your strength be. What this means is olive oil. What this is referring to olive oil. Mm-hmm. And our sages uh, tell us that the daughters of Usher were absolutely exquisitely beautiful and they made it a point rather than marrying in within their tribe which was not obligatory it wasn't always the case but it frequently you people marry those who they grow up with mm-hmm. that the daughters of Usher made it a point to marry Koihanim to marry priests they were blessed with exquisite beauty and and they didn't want to marry priests because you know they might my husband is that is is a priest you know that's not the reason but I mean for to show up but they recognized the value of that and that's what it means that the feet are dipped in oil and and to and pleasing to his brothers and that's how our sages understand this, that the the daughters of usher were very pleasing and therefore they were able to in yiddish chop up they were able to lance some of the finest shaduchim matches with the aristocratic uh, kohanim the priests ah, interesting very interesting and that seems to be the the end of the, uh, at least the blessing of the tribes it continues on Still in this poetic form, uh, from verse 26, it says, There is no one, no one, like the God of Yeshurun, who rides that, the heavens. That, yes. This is very critical. So there's now a, tra- there's a complete transition. So like, this is an announcement. So there's a transition where up till now we've been looking at tribes individually. Remember I said it's all about the land. Why all this reassurance? Why all this? Why? Because the people are nervous going into the land. Moses is an Ish Elohim. He's a man of God. Therefore, when he gives a blessing, it's not like the first baseman of the New York Yankees, Mr. A-Rod, whatever his name is. This is Moses. So these blessings mean everything. But here's the key, that God is is the one who will protect you. Now, I want to just, just that passage, I want to look with you, with you so you see it here. Ein ko'el yeshurun. Now, God has many names. The name El is Ein ko'el yeshurun. There is, El is the name of, of, of God that, that conveys power and strength. That's what mm-hmm. El means. So it's very careful that Torah uses this word. That if you, why is Yeshurun suddenly popping up here? Why is it, what's the, why, why Yeshurun? Did it suddenly become in vogue to use this new name mm-hmm. for Israel? No. Like the time, a, yeah. the, so the message is the following. If you're going to behave like Yeshurun, which means you're going to be straight and you're going to be of one heart, then you're going to have the, the God who is the God of power and he is the one who is going to be Roichev Shemayim. He is the one who is going to uh, is going to ride across the heavens to help you 
That's the key point. And, and, and His Majesty threw all of the highest places. That means the God of heaven, not a king on earth who can't help, but a God in heaven, He will be with you if you're going to be Yashur. And so again, there's a play on words. If you're going to be a nation who is Yashur, which means straight, then you're going to have the El, which means the God of power, who's going to do what? Who's Rechev Shemayim. Not any kind of king who's on earth or anybody else, but the true God who's in heaven, who's Rechev Shemayim, who rides the heavens, and he will come to your help when you go to destroy your enemies. So understand there's a beautiful play on words in this passage as he's and again remember that's why i knew i had to mention the beginning of this this is to reassure a nation who's about to lose the leader who they really felt they couldn't do couldn't mm. do anything without so let me read that again because it is beautiful there is no one like the god of yeshurun who rides the heavens to help you and his excellency on the clouds the eternal god is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you and will say, destroy. Then right. Israel, then Israel shall dwell in safety. Well, yeah. well, well there's a word here, betach, right, in safety. And what's the next word is badod. Also the fountain alone. of Jacob alone. Yeah. yeah. You know, that is another thing. You know, we see it every day. The European Union, I, I don't even have to. I could open up any newspaper. The European Union is pressuring us all going to boycott. Mm. Everybody is killing. What happened in the United Nations in the last hundred hours? All the enemies of Israel have come up and condemned Israel and cursed Israel, not North Korea. Israel, you're going to dwell alone. You dwell alone. How the heck are you going to defeat all your enemies? Mm. The answer is that Hashem is with you. And when God is with you, then no one can harm you. And that's the message here. You're always going to be alone. This, incidentally, is what the name Hebrew or Ivri comes from. That Avram or Ivri, Abraham, was on the other side. And in fact, we find this in Isaiah chapter 41, that God said to Abraham, you are but one. The nation of Israel will always be alone. Now, the question is for Australia and America, what do you want? Are you going to bless Israel who's standing alone, surrounded by enemies, or are you going to go with the European Union? You make your choice. If you bless Israel, God will bless you. That's mm. the key here. But so, you, just so you know, when, when I've shared this with you, that all this is that you will defeat your enemies if you act straight. There's no more of the curses. We've gone through the trauma of Deuteronomy 28. That if you're going to be assured of one nation, then God will come and he will defeat your enemies. And my friends, I don't know, I confess this with all my heart. I, if I had been born 300 years ago, I, I, I imagine, I hope I would have the faith. Today, it almost doesn't require faith, because we've mm. seen Israel stand up to 15 Arab nations to defeat, and Israel wipes them out in six days, unprecedented events. Mm. So we have seen with our eyes before us these miracles unfold. So the uh, chapter 33 ends with verse 29. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I grew up with these words. Ashrech Israel, happy are you, O Israel. Mm. You need, you need it, you know. You look. I mean, I don't know what you're thinking, but you know, I think all of us were very. It's very. It you get injured when you go through Deuteronomy 28 and 29. The fact that the Jews were still standing there was amazing. Mm. A whole 
the, the name of the portion named after it. Ashre, the end of it is, this is throughout the entire scripture, that ultimately, Ashrech Yisrael, no one compares to you. Israel may be off base, but you can't compare Ethiopia. You're not going to... Ashrech Yisrael, that you have the God of Israel as your shield, and he's the one who helps you. And as you see, I'm, what I'm saying to you is not a homily or I'm trying to explain anything. This is the plain, simple thing. God will be with you, and therefore you're going to be able to do it. Mm. Chapter 34, the last chapter of the Torah, the last chapter of our Torah portion, of course. Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilad, as far as Dan, all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, Manasseh, and the land of Judah, as far as the Western Sea. I'm not going to, I'm not, time doesn't permit it, I don't think. But, but what, it's, this is obviously, most, this is coming into view, mm-hmm. but there is ensconced in these prophecies that Moses is not just going, wow, that's a nice looking mound. Look at right. those trees. This is such a nice tree. Never saw such a tree before. There's something a little bit more. Moses is really encountering all of history. So on one side, I would say, why does Moses need to see so much? And why is God doing it to him? If I would put in front of you an ice cream and a and, and I was gonna and a pizza and say, here, give a look, but you can't need it. You what's, can't touch. Mm-hmm. What, what's the pleasure in this? Yeah, yeah. Moses is seeing here. What's happening here is 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 there are failures in done, but done. There's greatness that comes out of done with a great judge that comes out of done and so on there is and he's he's brought to view all of jewish history as the in in the sweeping view of the land of israel that's my, and that's it, why that's why i apologize again like an idiot that's why you'll <laughs> see it says at the end that moses sight did not dim that means that there's this a contrast to others you know when abraham was dying he was dying isaac was blind mm. moses nothing was wrong with him when he was 120 and according his to Jewish tradition, he yeah. was he was 100 percent. his eyes were sharp it doesn't just mean when the bible speaks about eyes being able to see it doesn't just mean physical eyes it means spiritual eyes right and it says in verse 4, And then the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. Mm. Ah, man, it's sad. Do you know what? I mean, every time I read this, Mm. uh, especially having just done over the space of a year, a systematic study of the Torah, uh, and, and we go through so much. Uh, from Exodus on with Moses and we get to know him we under, we, we, we get a just a little piece of understanding as to how he must feel and the burden that he carries uh, and such a, a an, an amazing man and a great prophet and here he is and he dies and the last thing he sees is is that wonderful beautiful land and he, he can't go in and yet he dies there and it says in verse 6 he buried him 
in a valley. God buried Moses. God buried no, it's no one. No one was to see Moses being buried. There are various interpretations of why uh, this was important. Moses' body did not decay. There was a concern that if people would see that Moses' body didn't change color and so on, that wouldn't be good for the nation to see. It wasn't good for the nation to see their leader dead. It would damage them emotionally. I, I, only if you've been listening to Torah Pearls and going through this with Jason and John all this time, my friends, would understand how deeply connected the people were to Moses and how deeply connected Moses is to God. This was a, a tremendous break, so much so that we see here that the nation is going to cry over over Moses for mm. 30 days. But yeah, Vagai Baritz means there was a indentation in the land in this uh, in this mountain that was a, like a cave that was already there. Jewish tradition that burial place was there from the time the world was created. It's a, a tradition in the Medrash. But mm-hmm. the key point is this was the place for Moses to be and God at, performed the great act of providing him a burial because no one else could be there. Mm. Uh, incidentally, one other point is, according to Jewish tradition, there are two opinions of how the end of the this book, the last eight right. passages that we're now encountered, yep. who authored this, yes. Moses could not have. We're going to taste it because there's only one person who was a prophet like Moses who could have had a hand in the authorship of the Torah. We're going to encounter this in a moment. Mm. And according to, according to the consensus is that, of course, that, that these these last eight passages are written by Yehoshua, who in yep. fact had the spirit of Moses. We'll see that in a moment. Spirit the actual the question to who could have written this, Moses didn't write it after he died. There's only one person. And this brings us back to the famed Deuteronomy 18, which we've been answering a hundred times already. Jason, just, I mean, at, at this point, and I know you've, you've obviously read through it and studied through for the program, but I mean, does it affect you the same way? I mean, just for me, uh, when I read this, it's, um, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, yes, it's sad, uh, and we've read it before, we're familiar with these verses, but every time I read it, it's, uh, I don't know, is solemn the word? How does it affect you? I um, I remember the first time we, um, my wife and I went through the, it was when we were first starting to look at the, uh, the Tanakh as a standalone thing and not just something that you pulled up every Sunday to try and prove your point. Mm. We started listening to an audio version of the text rather than reading it. Mm. And that added an extra layer to the to the person, you know. That before we were just reading about these characters, and they said some stuff, and sometimes you would say some of that stuff to back up your tradition. Um, and the audio added an extra layer. Now we had people who were breathing out these words. Um, but what I take this year, when I was reading through this, and I was thinking about Moses, he goes in. He goes into this special place and. His life's taken from him, and then he's buried, and no one knows where he is. Mm. And I compare that to where I was maybe 10 years ago, where in that instance... So well, I've got Mo, right Moses. Every 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 week when I'm in, uh, I volunteer at this Jewish museum, and we get people coming that aren't Jewish, and, and I say to them, these are the Sefer Torah. On these scrolls, every word that makes up the building block of a Jewish life is written. And they were given from God to Moses, and Moses gave them to Israel. That's what I tell them. And they're like, everything, everything is on these scrolls. And then we've, so we've got this guy, Moses, who has died. And no one knows where he is, where his body is, what's happened to him. And I compare that to where I was 
where in the Christian faith, the person that you are directed to look at, as an example, a huge amount was made of what happened when he died, what happened to the body, why the body, why was it important that he lived? Um, and I can't help but think the reason we don't know where Moses is in a in a defined sense is because there would be a tendency within us as humans to glorify that place and to glorify the remains and to, to turn that into something right to make yeah. him a man as God instead of a man of God. And uh, mm-hmm. I, so um, this that is become partic- is particularly apparent to me um, because I'm so used to explaining to people why the words are important rather than why the man was important. Um, so that's where I am this year. I, oh, the, I, the, I just want to say, sorry, Toby, I just want to say this is, you know, every now and then Jason will, will just interject with something so brilliant. Jason, every now and then, you know, you open your mouth and you say something so beautiful. <laughs> I just love that. So thank I, you. I, I got like, I got a whole pack of fortune cookies. Mm. I pull out one every <laughs> week and I wait for the right time. <laughs> Toby, <laughs> I'm very grateful. I, I, I say this, uh, um, I'm really very grateful. I, I, alluded to this on Facebook, but I'm really very grateful for Jason's uh, friendship mm. that Sean mm. blessed me with. It. John, no, not so much. No, no. But, uh, but Jason, <laughs> no, I really mean it. Jason's a, Jason is a soul that people really mm. love and adore, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for uh, just, for, it's not just the content of what you've conveyed, but it's the deep love that you have by Shem. Yes. And in a way, this is, you have to, from my vantage point, when I look at you, the two of you, I didn't have to do what you did. You lost friends and family, and you know, to come to the God of Israel and turn away from. I didn't have to, and in fact, if I would have, so I'm very grateful to Hashem for Jason for everything you've done for the, the the beautiful love that you you exude for Hashem and for His word. Very and, genuine and very. And genuine. then and then you're there. One um, there is a very interesting just the last three words that that i i've shared with in the past that the torah is different than the prophets of israel than the other books of the bible in that when the torah was written it was written a priori for all generations that, that would ever exist mm-hmm. in contrast when jeremiah wrote his work or when book chronicles written by ezra they were very much not thinking about future generations but they they were speaking to their audience and then it was determined that these sections are nitnuladars are applicable to all future generations but that's not a priori how they were given when the torah is written the torah is written for every single person throughout all Mm. of history and you see it actually in those words that means that no one knows, no person knows the place of his burial until this day. What do you mean until this day? What, that, that's the day when he was buried. That wouldn't mean anything. You see it in the words that mm. I don't care when you read this book, when, whether you read this book in the year 1970 or, 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 or the year 800 or the year 2015 and 5776, if you're reading these words, you do not know the place of Moses' burial. And as you see it in the words, Adayon was there. The book is speaking to 
That means this is how it was written before. And this is in the eternal book. No matter when you read these words, it will never be that someone will say, uh, yes, we, we, we may have discovered, we will in Israel see all discoveries of major artifacts when found, mm-hmm. but it will never be that we will ever say on any tour that we will ever give, we have discovered the tomb of Moses. That will not be, and the Torah has no fear of that. It will never be found. It's, it's my, and so uh, verse 10 has a similar phrase. We're going to get to it. It says in verse 7, though, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Now, it was also 30 days, I believe, for Aaron as well. And so the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now, Joshua, verse 9, Joshua, is, yeah. the son of Nun, was full of the, the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So what, what, what am I thinking? What, is, what, do, what do I want to say to every child of God right now? Tell me. This is the, uh, the, the prophet is likened unto Moses that we read right. about in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. Right. If anybody, I say this to you, my holy brothers and sisters, just know this passage from Deuteronomy 34, verse 9. There are many like it. We, we, we've gone, aha, aha. But if anyone should come to you and say to you that the prophet is somebody else and who is like Moses, just open up Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9. Look what mm. it says. I mean, now, that's it. That's it. That's it. But even so, even though he is likened unto Moses, verse 10, it says, But since then, right. there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So there is no greater prophet, yeah, no. Uh, and there will never be a greater prophet than Moses. Right. That, that is one of the 13 fundamental principles of faith. There, uh, Maimonides codified the principles of faith that we find in Scripture. And so Maimonides, of course, isn't inventing anything. And that is that Moshe all Tanakh is the word of Hashem, but the level of prophecy that Moses had, no one ever reached it. Incidentally, faith, God, Moses knowing God face to face, we know what that means from other parts of Scripture that we've already been through. It means that Moses could speak to God in a fully conscious state, in a yeah. conversation, unlike a person who I think is very similar to Moses, and that's uh, Samuel, who sort of struggled. He's, he's very Moses-like, uh, mm. I think. But uh, still, Samuel had to be in a sleep in order to, for him to receive prophecy. Mm. And he didn't even understand who's talking to him. Who's talking first to him. Yeah, so that's what it's meant, that he spoke to God face-to-face. It doesn't mean he saw God's eyelids or his eyebrows or his earlobes. It means he spoke to Panama Padim like a man speaks to his friend. So you do need Scripture to interpret Scripture for anyone who should ask you. Mm. So it says uh, there is not arisen in Israel. There will not arise in Israel a prophet like Moses in the Lord. Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh, all before all his servants, and in all his land. And this is the last verse of the Torah. And by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Hey, mm. Jason, what's going through your mind? Oh, man, I can't believe it's over. It's done. Yeah, it's like we've had a really great holiday, and I just got off the bus, and it's raining, and I realized that I didn't put those bananas away. Now the place is going to be stunk up. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> I just want to say, well, I've got um, everyone's attention. I want to thank you, Jono, for um, putting this together every week, um, pulling us um, into one place where we can record this. 
given me an opportunity to be a passenger um, on this um, journey. It's been super um, thrilling to be part of this. Um, and for all the editing and everything else that you do, you put hours in. And to Tovia for giving his time. I mean, I don't know anyone else who spends so much time in front of a microphone. It's insane. Mm. I mean, he still finds time for us, even though it's um, the time zones are different and everything else. Uh, so I just want to thank you two for um, being a part of this and for letting me uh, join in. And for the, everyone at home listening, uh, thanks for giving us the time and the feedback. Yes. And uh, for favoriting and for sharing and for listening and for uh, suggesting this program to people. It, without really, I mean, we could do this on our own every week. But without the people who are listening and sharing it, it wouldn't go anywhere. The, me- the message that we're tr- trying to give out wouldn't reach anybody. So thank you all very, very much. Thank you indeed. And, uh, and, and it's, I will say it's been an absolute privilege to do this with you and with Tobia. It really, really has. And I appreciate uh, you guys so very much, as I know the listeners do as well. Thousands of listeners around the world. Thank you guys so very much. Also to Ross Nichols of RootsOfFaith.org, Rabbi Ali Cohen of JewsForJudaism.org.au, and Ken Lane of OkiHebrew.com for their input in the series over the over the year. Now, we did miss one or two, I think. Uh, no, two or three, I do believe. We intend to get back to those in the coming year. And uh, but, but thanks, you guys. It has just been absolutely brilliant. And one more time, of course, uh, Jason of spiritualbabies.net, uh, Rabbi Tobias Singer of outreachjudaism.org, and also toviasinger.tv. You'll find all of his videos, toviasinger.tv. And once again, listeners, please, if you haven't got the book, Let's Get Biblical, Why Doesn't Judaism Accept the Christian Messiah Volumes 1 and 2. You're really missing out. You need to get them. I can't recommend recommend them highly enough. You can get them on Amazon. You can get them at outreachjudaism.org. But whatever you do, make sure you get them. And, of course, who else can we thank, Jason? Sarah. Why not Sarah of Handcrafted Natural Soaps? You'll find her on Facebook. I think I'll even put a link on here. At least she's been keeping us clean throughout this whole year. How about that? Did you all have the soaps? That you don't have soap? Ha- I did. Did you both have I've got the soaps? soap. I never had soap like this in my life. Isn't it the-, was the best soap? It's like all I want to do is take a shower all day. <laughs> I, just, I just want to eat it. Every time I get a new I one, know. I'm like, oh, I bet it's it tastes good. Like, this, is like, this is not <laughs> soap, it's cream cheese. I'll tell you, it's like unbelievable. It's, 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 I want to pick, get some blocks of the purple onion and a bagel. It's really unbelievable. I'm just saying, I'm not big into soap. What a soap is a soap, whatever. I collect soaps from hotels I go to, yeah. and I put it in. I don't even know one soap to another. This is not even soap. This is really, when you take a shower with this soap, bring banana with you inside this, and a knife so you can slice it so you can have lunch. It's really unbelievable. It's not like regular soap. That's all. I and I, she didn't pay me to say it. Nothing. It's unbelievable. And I, she sent it. It was not cheap to ship to Indonesia. Was not cheap. But she sent me a lot of it. She said she's sending me more than the other two because she likes me the most of all the three of us. <laughs> and that's not true. That's great. But she did. Thank you. And I love the. I, you know how I use the soap? I'm so careful. I don't want to use it up that I use my finger. And even if a little drop of this like oil drips off, I don't know what it is. I like take it and I make a little pile with it and I use it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I tell you, I, it's unbelievable. It's a whole experience. You could have lunch and a shower you at the same time. That's it. Bring raisins and bananas and you have the soap and you're ready to go. It's good. 
So, um, for for everyone that's listening at home now, yeah. in in a, in around four weeks, um, Tovia, Ross, Jono, and I, and a whole load of big people, a whole lot of our friends, will be in Israel, and we will be recording, um, in lots oh, of different oh, ways. Oh, by the way, and Sarah's yeah. bringing a whole lot of soap too. She's coming on the tour, and she's bringing soap for everyone. She is now. You've said it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) You better do it, Sarah. I told everyone now. Don't take it personally when you get soap. She's not those meetings. She's giving it to everybody. Not everybody, but everyone she likes. So So what what I'm saying is that um, while we're there, we'll be releasing some stuff. But when we come back, there'll be a whole load of um, programs of us in the land um, talking about things in the land. Uh, so you can, if you've liked the Torah Pals, um, you're going to enjoy the things that come after as well, because we should be able to get at least, I don't know, six six good programs out of the content that we're going oh, to at least. We're going to be busy. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, be, and bear with us, dear listeners, because we will be getting that material out for you as uh, the tour progresses and after the tour. Now, now Jason, before now, I want to talk about the tour again uh, in just a minute, but before I do... Spiritualbabies.net, what is going on there before we go? Oh, well, you know, by the time this is out, I'll have already started a new series with uh, Rod um, from um, Nativ. Yeah. We're going through the um, 13, well, uh, Tovia mentioned earlier, the 13 principles. Um, I'm on these 13 oh, yeah. principles of faith. Yeah. Um, that's going to be fun. Um, I'm also starting a new series tomorrow with um, Stuart, Rabbi Stuart Federer. Ah. And it's, there's always stuff going on. And, and if you if you get to the face, if you get sorry, if you get to my um, website and it hasn't changed from the week before, then go to my Facebook page because it's probably where I put most of my most of my stuff. There it is. Find me on Facebook. Excellent. Uh, now, of course, we are going on tour. We will be doing it again next year. But for everybody who said, I wanted to go this year, I can't believe I've missed out and the bus is full and I can't go. Tovia, you are doing another tour in December. I think it's in December. I'm leading a tour in December. Is there still some spaces left there? If yeah, there are. There, are. there are a handful of spaces left. And if there you're interested, you could contact me on Facebook or TovyaSinger1 at AOL.com. We'll get you All that. Right. And looking forward to it. One little piece of advice for you because i i have i have more than two million air miles in my life so i'm going to give you one thing i'll tell all those who are joining us i'm not doing this on facebook specifically the the airlines do tighten up with how much stuff you can bring Mm -hmm. and i'm going to teach you a trick of the trade that i've never told anyone of how to bring a ton of more stuff and the airline can't you don't, stop you don't wear your entire wardrobe on the plane. You do. You? you do. What you do is here's what you do. That's what you do. How do you know this? Like, what do you know? So you like, so what so you, you do just is, rock up in Indonesia where it's really hot and, and really humid, and you look like an Eskimo at the I airport. Have saved, I have saved. I a question: ten thousand dollars in baggage fees because I in, bought an eighty dollar uh, photographer vest. You can get it on Amazon. Dumkey is one famous one. They have 22 pockets. It's the greatest thing in the world because you can literally, it holds up to about 80 pounds. It has pockets where you can put your whole computer. You could put your sister-in-law in there. The point is you're wearing your computer onto the plane. They do wear your bag. So I, I, I never put it up on Facebook because I don't want to keep the, the photographers, the travelers know this, but people generally don't. I don't want the airlines to change thing by me putting on Facebook it will go berserk but for you the journey is <laughs> if you want to be able to come and bring your furniture and whatever and your <laughs> washing machine with you 
that <laughs> the one I wear has 22 pockets, literally, and I can carry with me maybe I don't know 50, 60 pounds, and right on my. And then when on the tour, if you want to pull your camera out, it's right there. If you want to pull your tablet, it's right there. That's a little secret I've never told, and I'm only saying it here on the show. You heard it here first on Truth To You. Thank you, Jason of SpiritualBabies.net, Rabbi Tavia Singer of OutreachJudaism.org. It has been a pleasure, believe me. Thank you, dear listeners. We're going to do something else. I don't know what it is, but until then, dear listeners, be blessed, be set apart by the truth of our Father's Word. Shalom. Leave it to the Jew tell you how to save a few dollars. This is really <laughs> the most unbelievable thing. They have them online. They're not all really very expensive. You literally a giant pocket of design for photographers to bring whole cameras on and because well, they weigh your carry-on bag now if you go over whatever eight pounds whatever you got to check in and pay crazy money